and welcome back to Minds Matter. I'm one of your hosts, Ava, here in the Amsterdam studio as usual, and Beth is on Zoom. Hi. <laughs> um, so today we are talking about something that I think it's safe to say has at least gained attention, if not gained popularity um, since the COVID pandemic, um, yeah. which is conspiracy theories. So it's a juicy topic. Um, I'm excited to get into it, but I think first we should probably start by defining what conspiracy theories actually are. Yeah, so there's a few things that um, make up a conspiracy theory. So they have to have an assumption of how people, objects, or events are causally interconnected. Um, So it always like there's a pattern involved. Um, another thing it has to have is that the um, people involved, it, it's deliberate. So they're, they're like planning to do this. Um, and I thought this one was kind of interesting, but it's never the act of one individual. It's, it's always a group that has to, that's an element of a conspiracy theory. Um, and they always have to have an element of threat. So the goals are like harmful or deceptive. So even though if it might not seem harmful it's like trying to hide things from us um and the final one is that they always have to have some sort of secrecy to them um so it's difficult to like so then because of this it's difficult to prove prove them wrong Mm, i see so they are five main um yeah things that conspiracies have to have okay and there are to be clear there are conspiracy theories but there actually are some proven conspiracies yeah so like I, Watergate. Yeah, like Watergate, which I don't, I guess, we. does everyone know what that is? Maybe it's safe to say that people know, but <laughs> our, perhaps our European audience <laughs> doesn't know. But essentially that was just, uh, that was just an instance of, I guess, democracy being possibly subverted when the Nixon administration and possibly Nixon himself um, broke into the DNC. Um, which I feel like nowadays sounds like yeah. soft, like lame, um, which maybe, yeah, maybe I, I'm a conspiracy theorist myself in that regard. But yeah, there definitely are some conspiracy theories that were proven. So after being proven, they're kind of no longer theories. They're just they're conspiracies yeah. that happened. Um, but there are quite a few different kind of reasons that people are predisposed, maybe even to yeah. believing these theories. Um, so first we're going to talk about some psychological needs that everyone has, um, that conspiracy theories can sometimes allow you to meet and, and kind of fulfill, mm-hmm. um, and also some psychological biases. So just ways that we think that are, that can be kind of hijacked by conspiracy theories that conspiracy theories really speak to. Um, so first some psychological needs that conspiracy theories really speak to are, um, epistemic needs, existential needs, and social needs. So these three kind of main needs. And this is within um, a framework that Karen Douglas developed. So she's a professor at the University of Kent, and she has done a lot of the work on conspiracy theories. So I think, yeah, a lot of the stuff that we're going to be talking about actually probably comes from her lab. Um, So to get into these, the first called epistemic needs is basically just the need for knowledge and certainty. Mm-hmm. So um, people can be drawn to conspiracy theories when this need is threatened and people just feel uncertain um, and, yeah, just don't really feel like they have the truth. So uncertainty is a pretty yeah. aversive state. 
um, and people need to cope with that. And yeah, that I think kind of rings this COVID bell of like, no one knows yeah. what the hell is going on. Um, and yeah, we're all very confused. So maybe that's a reason why. And even, yeah, like all the fake news stuff, it's like, feels like very hard at the moment to know, yeah, what's, what's true and what's not. So yeah. could be an insight to why there's, there may be a rise of yeah. belief in conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, that it seems like it definitely um, ticks some boxes. Um, and so some researchers, um, they've kind of created this new framework around conspiracy theories to talk about why these different needs um, would be met in different situations. So this is actually from an, a lab at NYU. So the Van Bavel lab, especially this, I think she's a PhD or a postdoc um, called Annie Sternisko. And they're, they've been doing a lot of work on conspiracy theories as well. And specifically for epistemic needs, um, they argue that epistemic needs are met by just the mere endorsement of like any conspiracy theory. It doesn't necessarily <laughs> matter what the content of it is. It's just that because oh. you believe, as Beth said, um, something that's kind of like secret and this challenges like these this kind of agreed upon knowledge and belief, um, this serves this uniqueness need that is kind of within this epistemic need as well so you feel like you're special and unique because you know something that other people don't yeah um and it also further desires like this epistemic need so this desire to know things because you get this like explanation for everything because if you know you know any conspiracy theories basically they explain everything and that's why COVID has kind of also been this magnet for conspiracy theories um, because it's this huge thing that that needs to be explained by something and your conspiracy has this amazing explanatory power. It's just this happened and that's why everything basically. And because they're so hard to um, like the way they're set up prove wrong, that also makes you feel like you can explain everything. Exactly. Because also every, all evidence against it can just be more, well, well, that's them trying to hide it. Yeah. It's you're in on it. I knew it. Exactly. Um, Yeah, I feel like conspiracy theories in a way are sort of like almost like junk food for this this epistemic need of like I need to be able to explain things. And it's just like this one thing that allows you to feel like everything is in line as long as you believe that one thing. Um, So Uh, those are sorry. Go ahead, Beth. So I was going to say that before this, Ava told me that she just (laughs) learned a new conspiracy theory that. Apparently it's quite popular is that Australia doesn't exist. And mm-hmm. by me being here, it doesn't actually help that because I just show, oh, I'm just like trying to hide it. Like I'm just trying to, you know, oh yeah, it exists. Yeah. You're, you're in on it. I, I, I think it's, I think it's a great conspiracy theory. Like I've, I never heard of it. Um, but yeah, one of the researchers that does this work, she, she is actually Australian. So I guess, I guess the fact also that she does this work and that she's Australian for some people is like, oh my God. Of course. I yeah. knew it. I knew it. <laughs> of course it's an Australian that's doing the conspiracy theory work. And here Beth is doing doing a podcast about it. A podcast on it from from Australia on Zoom. I do yeah. quotation marks, but <laughs> Yeah. So that's our first need met, epistemic need. So once you know a conspiracy, you you know everything. You're good. Um, the second need that people need to have met um, in general is called or referred to as existential needs. So this is basically just like the need to feel safe and secure and essentially in control of what's happening to you. 
Um, so that's one of the reasons why kind of a predictor also for belief in conspiracy theories is um, the type of group that you belong to and the status of that group in society. So also people who feel powerless in general, um, they're more likely to also believe conspiracy right. theories. Um, and then the third need um, that, I mean, I guess I'm like, I would call myself a social psychologist, so... I guess I think it's the most important um, that they're social needs. So essentially, this is the idea that people want to feel good about themselves as well as the groups they belong to. Um, so a conspiracy about, you know, why your group is in a bad condition, um, because, yeah. you know, if you explain that by collusion happening at a higher level, that can kind of give you a boost and make you feel better about your group. Um, yeah. And another way in which these um, researchers at NYU explain this, is that unlike the the epistemic needs, so unlike the desire to just know something and to have that uncertainty fixed, um, it's not just the fact that, you know, ha believing in a conspiracy theory can fix the social, the social needs. It's just actually that your social needs are going to kind of determine what conspiracy theories you're drawn to because the content yeah. of conspiracy theories differs. So for social okay, needs, yeah. they argue that content is what's really important. So maybe, okay. you know, there could be a conspiracy about like the royal family killing Princess Diana um, or the U.S. Mm -hmm. government. Or one thing that's apparently growing increasingly prevalent in Europe is this idea of like the great replacement, um, which oh, is... Oh, I, I haven't heard of this. Yeah, so this is a conspiracy um, that there is a plot to culturally, ethnically replace white Europeans um, with Arabs and Asians and black people. Um, and that's why there's so much immigration happening. And yeah, this is one of like the fastest growing conspiracy theories on the far right oh. in Europe. Okay. Um, so obviously some conspiracy theories already we can see are damaging. Um, but yeah. essentially the idea here is that if you're, if you're prejudiced, then you know, you're going to believe something pejorative about the group that you're prejudiced against. Right. And conspiracy theories is just one of those things. So yeah. the idea is that the social needs and the epistemic needs, for example, they kind of have a difference in why you're attracted to conspiracy theories. So either for their content, like who they're actually about, versus just like you want to believe a conspiracy theory because it will make you feel good because you you feel like you know everything. Um, yeah. Yeah, and another example of this this social need is that like Democrats and Republicans are more likely to believe, you know, these these um these theories that paint Democrats or Republicans in like a right. negative light. So like so I, yeah. So like Democrats are less likely to endorse like QAnon and um Democrats are more likely actually than Republicans to think that 9/11 was an inside job. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so essentially we're kind of in a way almost predisposed to believe some conspiracy theories like yeah, um so the stuff that I read it was kind of also like why because of evolution we it's beneficial for us to well not beneficial for us to believe these but like why we have this tendency to believe in stuff that's not true. So there's this, um, I guess it's a, uh, a theory that we have this hypersensitive agency detection mm -hmm. and it's 
the idea that we attribute agency and me and intentionality where it doesn't exist or it might not exist. So agency um, is just if something has consciousness, if it has, if it's doing things with meaning. So like where, you know, we can be described as a human agent, an animal would have agency, but like um, a a rock wouldn't. So that's kind of what agency is. So why we this so the idea is why we do this is because when we were evolving it was it was beneficial if we saw a shadow moving on the ground not knowing where that came from to assume that was a person and to attribute agency to it so we would flee because then we'd have the best chance of survival Mm -hmm. so that's why we have this this trait um within us um which makes sense but we still carry this today and um put it where it doesn't where there isn't so that's like when you know finding these patterns thinking people are like and that's the basis of these um yeah conspiracy theories so it's also why um so the we often believe like there's a tradition of people believing like the sun is a god and the oceans are a god and there's all these things because we want to think that there's um that that these things have some sort of intention yeah yeah Yeah. um yeah so I, I think that's kind of an interesting point about the fact that a lot of kind of like the link between myths essentially which were super yeah. common yeah. um which I guess maybe are common in some parts of the world still but obviously you know ancient Greek myths or ancient Egyptian myths um and the idea that yeah, that really fulfilling this kind of epistemic need of being like, we really need to understand what the hell is going yeah. on and why the natural world works the way it does. Um, and I guess it's kind of the same tendency with these other things that we don't understand. Like we do live in quite a complicated world. Um, yeah. And I guess we know why the sun rises, although if pressed, not sure I could really answer that question. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> I don't know how deep I could get into the explanation myself um, besides the spinning globe, which obviously we know is is contested with the flat earth conspiracy. Um, But yeah, so I think this idea of the fact that, you know, myths have existed for a long time really speaks to maybe one of the reasons that conspiracies uh, that conspiracies also exist. But I think one also key difference that's interesting is the fact that conspiracies, as as you said in the definition, are basically always malevolent so yeah it kind of assumes the worst which i think speaks to also this idea of like um if we're talking in terms of evolutionary psychology um that it you want to protect yourself to the maximum so you basically better safe than sorry to feel like yeah to feel like assume the worst um (laughs) but yeah so so beth mentioned there to two biases really in the way that we think um so this kind of intentionality or agency bias um yeah and i have um so i have actually a cool study that was done on this so this is done at the university of kent and what they do they show people a video of um these these just like black shapes moving around a white screen so it's like a rectangle or square and they're just kind of moving around the screen and then afterwards they're asked questions like to what extent do you think these shapes were purposeful to what extent do you think they were conscious and like and and these kind of questions and then before they've done this they've also asked they're like given all these conspiracy theories and asked 
tell if they think that they're they're true or not. And people who were more inclined to consider like the conspiracy theories true gave more agency and meaning to the shapes. Yeah. So that's the and that that's this like hypersensitive agency thing that that we have. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, yeah, a similar study um, is goes along with another bias in our cognition, which is called pattern recognition. So essentially, um, yeah. it's as as Beth mentioned, this is actually like a key element to conspiracy theories. So kind of seeing patterns um, and linking things up, which we need to do um, to be able to make sense of the world. Um, so one example of this, which I cannot show you because this is an audio. <laughs> Um, but there's this kind of triangle, which I'll put a picture of it, um, on mindsmatterpodcast.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's a triangle that is kind of, uh, made up of these, these circles, these like semi circles, I guess. Um, and there's not actually a triangle sort of painted there, but you can see it. Like the, it pops out at you and it even looks like more white than the rest of the background. Um, and we fill it in essentially because our mind yeah. is just made to fill in the dots. Um, and yeah, in the real world, we are trying to kind of spot patterns wherever they exist. Right. Um, and so kind of a similar study to the one that Beth mentioned um, is that they had participants um, look at just pictures of like random noise, like literally just random generated noise. Um, and they found that participants who were in a situation where they were made to feel a lack of control. So um, in this task, the way they did that was that they just had participants get either like random feedback. So whatever they were doing, they would just get random stuff that actually wasn't linked to their performance saying whether they do or whether they were doing well or not to kind of induce this feeling of lack of control. And um, they found that participants who were in that condition they ended up seeing more patterns in the random noise. And this also oh. translated to like seeing more patterns and trends in stock markets and also to more endorsement of conspiracy theories. So that also kind of speaks to that epistemic need. Um, so when you're lacking control, you do see all of these right, right. patterns yeah. and things like that, which is linked to conspiracy theories as well. Um, um, yeah. And there's another thing. It's like um, we have we we want to be finding patterns in the world because like that's been and like also causality so like we know that red traffic lights mean danger and we know like drinking water will stop us being thirsty and all these kind of things so this is also why we have this um yeah ability to recognize patterns but what is interesting even though we have this great ability to recognize patterns we're really bad at um seeing when something's random Mm. so we can't really distinguish between because usually when there is something random um the there's like a there, there's less variation when it is random so we we will attribute patterns to that when that doesn't occur so I thought that was also yeah an interesting thing that like yeah we have like we need to have this ability to find these patterns but um yeah, but then we can't when we're not good at working out when they're random. And then there's like all these. Yeah. And then this is this is where this stuff can come from. Yeah. I think this all kind of speaks to the fact, you know, all of these things that we're saying, they're like, yeah, that makes sense. That's that that makes sense that we would need to do that. And I think it kind of speaks to the fact that 
conspiracies or theories are an endorsement of them are seen as this like super fringe, like crazy thing to do. But really they're, they're not like, they're just a product of like different psychological needs that we have and different ways where our perception and our thinking is just biased because it has to be for us to be able to survive properly. And unfortunately that makes us sometimes believe crazy things, but it could happen, (laughs) but it could happen to anyone I think is an important thing to know. Um, And actually like the, the recent data show that um, one in two Americans believe at least one conspiracy theory. And another poll actually says that 60% to this day, 60% of Americans believe that there was some kind of conspiracy theory behind JFK's assassination, which means more than one in two people believe at least one <laughs> conspiracy theory. Um, yeah, and I feel like I also, like, I, I could I could believe some conspiracy theory. I could, I could go there. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I think they're also kind of fun to think about. I think, you know, when you're hanging out with your friends, you want to you wanna talk about these these crazy possible topics. Um, yeah, but it was funny doing this research because I think I have a lot of friends who really do believe in conspiracy theories of all kinds. Like we're talking all sorts of different things. And, um, I've always been like, oh, that's just like crazy. They just like are afraid of the truth. I don't know, just these kind of things. And then when I was reading this, I was like, oh, like this actually, this makes sense why, why we're doing this. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I I do want to talk about um, this idea of like why conspiracy theories persist when we think that they're, you know, when they're a lot of them are crazy. Um, But there's one final bias that um, I think is really key, actually, um, which is called the proportionality bias. So this is essentially the idea that when something big happens, something big must have caused it. And then when something small happens, we're like, okay, that's fine. Um, So. A study was done on, I think a few studies have been done, but um, one study by um, Lehman's lab um, in 2007 found um, that when people were presented different events um, Mm -hmm. with a small event, they were satisfied with kind of like a mundane explanation. But with a big event, it was they needed to have a big explanation and they were more likely to endorse a conspiracy theory for that. So an example of this is like, with plane plane landings or plane disappearances yeah, yeah, and things yeah. like this, um, when there actually was like a missing plane, whenever there's a missing plane or a crash mm-hmm. landing, there are always so many conspiracy theories surrounding what About happened. Why. Yeah. Whereas, like for example, when you know that movie Sully, when the plane landed on the Hudson and everything was yeah. fine, <laughs> there are barely any conspiracy theories about that, just because the result, yeah. you know, was oh, was fine. Yeah, yeah. Because it was ended up okay. Yeah, and same thing with like the JFK assassination. Probably the most the most popular conspiracy theory in America today. So many yeah. so many theories about what happened. Lots of lots of different conspiracy theories, but a lot of endorsement of conspiracy theory around that because it was such a huge event, um, and people you know didn't want to believe that this like lame, random 24-year-old dude just decided one day to change the course of history, essentially. Whereas then on the other side, um, there was another attempted assassination, I think of Ronald Reagan, Mm -hmm. which first of all, I feel like people, we we don't even hear about that much. Didn't know know that. And there's no conspiracy theories around it because it's like, okay, well, you tried and it didn't work, so... 
And the outcome was, uh, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. And I think that makes sense because I think, you know, even for me, there are so many, there are things that when I, when I really feel like I don't understand something, it's like something must be going on. Like, I mean, okay, so we're recording this on November 10th, which, uh, people following American politics is exactly a week after the election. And for me, um, I mean, I'm not American, unlike unlike my voice maybe it sounds, but (laughs) um, yeah, I just, I I really felt like things were going in one direction. That is to say that it was impossible that Donald Trump could even come close to being reelected, which I guess, you know, now it seems like he is not close to being reelected, but it, it was a lot closer than people thought. And it was just so incomprehensible to me and I was like you know I I found myself really thinking about it and thinking there must there must there must be something that I'm missing maybe not a conspiracy but yeah there's something there you know um yeah Uh, because it is this huge thing I also like in what you were saying that like when something big big happens we need the explanation and I think that that also like goes back to um like the same mechanisms that we have that believe in these conspiracy theories also draw us to like religion and spirituality Mm -hmm. because it's like we need you know there has to be and also when things go when there's a tragedy people turn to to god and things like that Mm because it's like well there has to be and and it usually takes i mean there's other reasons why they do that in those times but you know it's very rare that you have that kind of religious epiphany on it normal day you know it's like something massive happens and then like you need to know like you know why you you don't want people don't want to think that things are just like um randomly occurring and also out yeah and out of our control yeah definitely yeah I mean as as uh as the resident skeptic slash like (laughs) like I guess atheist like person, I guess I don't know what your religious beliefs are actually, but um but you know, I was raised very, very skeptical um of everything. <laughs> and yeah, I like reading these conspiracies in a way no, I really don't mean to offend anyone, but it really felt like okay, it's just like religion and lots of people believe lots of people are believing it together and like you know, they create these communities where they reinforce one another's right. beliefs. And it seems extremely similar. But I guess the the kind of harm and the reason that it's it can be considered more malevolent is because the content of it is is very scary. And like these conspiracy right. theories are never like, yeah, they want everyone to be happy. It's like the lizard people are are yeah, yeah. <laughs> are coming to destroy us. Um. Because I was speaking to someone before this about like that was the agency thing and like how this explains like religious beliefs and spirituality and they're a bit spiritual and I could just like and, and very clever but I could just hear like the well like you know I was like oh shit maybe I shouldn't have said this <laughs> because we want to but I think it's it's really interesting to draw those parallels because we want to. I think, yeah, in the same way we want to believe there's there's something out there, we also want to believe that, like, these terrible, crazy things can't just happen. Um, yeah. And, like, you know, there's, like, some 
some group behind the scenes who have who have done this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think this this epistemic need is like is is clearly very powerful. Um, yeah, and I think the idea of like why these conspiracy theories kind of persist maybe is is partially because of this. Um, I mean, Beth, you mentioned that you are familiar with some people who do believe conspiracies, even though even though if you lived in the U.S., one out of the two people you're hanging out with <laughs> apparently was endorsing them. But what is your uh, what is your kind of experience with with talking to people who believe in conspiracies and like how how they're thinking about these 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 events? Well, I think also I would consider myself not very confrontational. I don't know if you would agree, Ava. Yes. So I, <laughs> Definitely. So I feel like when like I'm not I'm not asking the I'm not getting to the the crux of, of I'm not interrogating them over it. Um, but it is like this when you speak to someone about it, whether it be like one recently that we're returning to elves or like, there's all sorts of them out there. <laughs> I wish you guys could see Ava's face. Um, or, or um, 9-11 was an inside job or, or any of these things. There's kind of the conviction that someone tells you that. I don't even know how you would go about it's just like and it's kind of it's expressed to you like a belief and like attacking it almost feels like attacking them personally if that makes Mm, sense like it holds I feel like um there's this emotional connection and that actually um brings me to um there's a professor in UC Santa Barbara um Jonathan Schooler and he does a lot on um mind wandering and so I think in the last podcast we mentioned mind wandering because it's basically the opposite of mindfulness. And um, but he lo- looks at the positive sides of mind wandering and um, how it's uh, good for creativity. And they did a study where um, they had creative writers and physicists like record their ideas for I don't know six months or something. And and one in five of the ideas just came as this kind of epiphany when they were mind wandering. So. They like, you know, went out for a walk or went for a drive. And then all of a sudden this the idea that they needed just 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 appeared. And there's a lot of stories of like the guy who um discovered the the shape of DNA, like worked on it for years and years, and then like went for a drive and then it just came to him. Mm. And so he calls this like an aha moment. And even if so in this study they looked at even if the ideas that were that came about during mind wandering, if they weren't, so they weren't, they were never like that much better than the ideas you come up with when you're actually working, mm. but you have a stronger emotional connection to them. So you're more likely to believe them. And um, they've done these other studies where people solve puzzles. And if they're not thinking about it, even if the puzzle is a statement that's not true, they'll believe it's true. And when he was telling about this, he got also started speaking about conspiracy theories and, a lot of people, um, very, very intelligent people believe in like really, really crazy things. And they think one of the reasons could be is that because they come up with these ideas and it's like through this aha moment. So they can't have the ability to step back and reflect on the truth of it. So for example, like Newton founded all of modern science, but he also did alchemy Mm -hmm. (laughs) or like, um, 
Jonathan Nash from, you know, he's in the, the mathematician, mm-hmm. like amazing, like crazy, <laughs> but like, but he couldn't distinguish like these amazing mathematical breakthroughs to like thinking, I don't know the nitty gritty of what he thought, but uh, you know, that cause he had that same emotional connection. And I think even when speaking to people and the yeah, they may not have like come up with that theory through the same process it's definitely that same it's definitely a strong emotional component to it Mm -hmm. yeah I think I think that also is definitely a key to to why people continue to believe these things even though even though they they are you know they they don't make any sense that there's not a lot of proof um and they've actually done done studies um also from from Karen Douglas's lab about the fact that Essentially, people who are more likely to believe that Princess Diana was murdered by the royal family, they were more likely to believe that she was still alive. So a lot of people kind of who believe in these conspiracy theories also endorse like multiple mutually actually exclusive conspiracy theories. Um, But yeah, a long way down the rabbit hole. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I think that, yeah, this idea of of this emotional attachment to these these theories um is a reason that it's really hard to shake people out of them or to to talk to people about it because because it really becomes this because they are so all-encompassing and so kind of useful in a way to explain everything around them it becomes their worldview and it becomes like the way that they're seeing everything that they're interacting with um and so you know challenging someone on that is actually challenging them on the entire way that they're living and the entire way that they're seeing the world. Um, so yeah. I think that that's why it's it's pretty difficult to to talk to someone with a conspiracy theory belief and to talk them out of it. Um, and yeah, as there we- was a, um, another study done at the VU, and that's um, a university in the Netherlands, actually. And people were asked to see, like, there was a coin toss, and we all know that a coin toss is random, like, when do we look like we look like that's like one of the first things you learn at school I feel and they've done oh maybe the weight whatever but we know that it's 50 50 um and people did an experiment and they still thought with it and they were told that it, it was like a 50 50 chance of heads and tails and people still found thought they found a pattern mm-hmm. within the coin toss and they could predict the next five like with some amount of certainty due to this pattern even though logically we all know that that that's that's not not the case Mm. yeah 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 I think I think this emotional component is really strong like just even with all these psychological needs um and just like trying to get rid of anxiety of like feeling like you don't understand things even if and I and I guess that does make this kind of like aha moment that you're talking about when you do feel like everything comes together and clicks yeah. um, more intense, all the more intense because finally things make sense. Um, yeah. But yeah, I definitely think this this emotional and social component um, is <laughs> is very important, um, which brings me to a study that was done on um, actually COVID conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. Um, where they specifically looked at social media and sharing behavior on social media. And in this study, um, they had people read different, I think they were presented as like Facebook Facebook news posts. 
Um, and they had a first group just come in and evaluate like the accuracy of the post. So there were half of them were mm -hmm. true and half of them were false. Um, and participants were able to kind of realize that or correctly sort um, two thirds of them. So correctly say that half of the, or correctly say that two thirds of them were true and that um, my math is my math brain is going off. <laughs> correctly able to sort two thirds. Anyways, um, so <laughs> then you would assume then that when you looked at sharing behavior, it would be similar amounts of sharing. So you would be try you would be sharing two thirds of the true posts and maybe mm -hmm. one third of of the untrue posts. But they found that when another group of participants came in, just just asked which ones would you share, just share the ones that you think you should share, that it became completely random. So they were sharing half of the true posts and almost half of the fake posts. So essentially the idea here is that it's not necessarily that people don't care about accuracy or can't evaluate accuracy, but that the social component of it right. yeah. just kind of takes over and gets and and your ability to think critically is almost like overridden by the desire yeah. to like share news um which i think also is really relevant to to the idea of the importance of emotion because mm -hmm. other studies have found that um virality of posts is highly related to like how much emotion they elicit and especially how like morally relevant they are yeah um but kind of like sort of good news I guess within this study was that they found that if people were just primed to think about accuracy so if before they were asked to look at these posts and share the posts um they were asked to evaluate the truth of a statement so they were kind of yeah. primed to think about um to think that accuracy was important even though it was an, an irrelevant um statement um when they were told to do this then their levels of, of sharing true posts went up by like um three times so the ratio of sharing fake and true posts got much better yeah. just by like priming people to be like, hey, accuracy is important. Like, you know, um, so they suggest that kind of pushing this idea and pushing the idea of accuracy is an important value that we should hold. We should hold to our hearts we um, that that does help people think more critically. And I think that that kind of also helps with this idea of with conspiracy theories, you know, people are sharing things on social media. There's like this echo chamber kind of um, phenomenon that happens. Yeah. And that could kind of stop at least right. that component of it and that um, that at least social media sharing behavior. Yeah. Um, I guess also because obviously there's some conspiracy theories that are, I mean, I'm not harmless, but, you know, there's not, I think, but then there's like, okay, the ones about COVID, this is actually, you know, lives are being lost because of the misinformation around that. Um, so, yeah, because I also think we should question authority and we should question what we read. And, yeah, I don't know. I think it's hard because you want to encourage that and you don't want everyone to be sheep who just mm -hmm. agree with, what you know all these people in power say but then ah uh, I don't know it's really hard but then you want to make sure that when it is true I don't know but <laughs> it's like yeah uh, yeah definitely yeah. that's so that is one really of hard. one of the tactics that some researchers do kind of encourage when when talking to someone who who has like certain conspiracy beliefs um is to actually appeal to this like critical thinking 
um, side. Right. Because I think QAnon's, like, what's the word, motto or something is, like, do your research. Um <laughs> Something like that. And a lot of a lot of people, you know, at, at Trump rallies and people who who believe this idea of fake news, like they believe it because they think that, you know, they're getting fed something that's not true and that, you know, everyone needs to be more critical of what they're taking in. Yeah. But, you know, and that's like the that's kind of like the opposite of, I guess, what people who disagree with them um, think that they're doing. But if you really force someone and question them and ask them to, like, think about their sources and maybe look into their sources a bit deeper and look into the credibility of their sources, um, that maybe can be helpful because you are appealing to this. You are appealing to the reason that they are kind of entrenched in these conspiracy beliefs. Um, Yeah, and maybe if um, they come up with this on their own, like, through their own research and on their own terms, there's, like, some of the things that you were initially describing about why people like conspiracy theories, that they can get that from it too, you know, if, if it's if it's not just being lectured at or, or just, you know, told you're wrong. If there's like this, I don't know, process of understanding, maybe they can still feel like, you know, they have the knowledge and I don't know. Yeah, I think some research that is kind of, because also, I mean, we haven't mentioned it, but as if you're a, if you've been listening to any of our episodes like as with everything we there's not a lot of actual research on this actually <laughs> we don't know <laughs> um yeah but i think something that is kind of missing that i think there are some some budding lines of research on is this idea of like trust in your sources and um definitely a predictor of belief in conspiracy theories is like an erosion of trust in and those in power obviously with covid an erosion of trust in science and scientists Um, but yeah, I think one issue with like just presenting information to, to people who believe in conspiracy theories that, that is like information that is maybe more, um, more founded is that what is the source going to be? Like if you give someone, if you give a Trumper like a piece of news from CNN, well, that's fake news. Yeah. But yeah. You know, no matter what, no matter what it says, no matter how backed up it is, like there's something going on. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What so I, you, yeah. I think it's really difficult. Yeah, I, yeah, um, yeah, and yeah, and the, yeah, and another like another thing that that Beth and I talked about before we started recording was um, this idea that I I definitely feel like. In, in the age of the internet, obviously in the age of COVID, um, which I think it's true that cons- while conspiracy theories definitely kind of like the amount of endorsement for them kind of ebb and flow through times of crisis. Like as we've mentioned in times of crisis, you're going to be more likely to, mm-hmm. to look for something to kind of save you um, and to explain everything. Um, so maybe it's true that in COVID there are a lot more conspiracy theories floating around. Um, but it does seem like the age of the internet is affecting um how many conspiracy theories there are and it's definitely something that's more talked about and that's how i mean i definitely feel like there must be something there but actually a lot of researchers don't agree with that so yeah a lot of researchers say that like even this this one prof at the university of miami um i mean it's true but he he's he um points to the fact that america was actually like founded on conspiracy theories so in the Declaration of Independence, apparently there are like 
27 accusations um, about like from the British government about the fact that they were bringing in uh, militias to harass civilians and they were trying to like enslave which is which is ironic but they were trying to enslave yes. like the the American population um, the white American men um, and all of these claims were basically unfounded like historians look back and they're right. like that didn't happen um and obviously you know the witches of salem like there are lots of conspiracies that when have did they the when did they find out the earth was round <laughs> we should know this because that didn't go down that well <laughs> like that didn't go down that well but to be fair at the time it's kind of crazy if, if if someone was like no it's round you'd be like what but it's flat like <laughs> I mean, I think it's crazy that that's a current conspiracy theory. <laughs> we have the little pictures of the earth, but anyways. Um, but yeah, and there's this idea that also people, some people are just kind of more predisposed to believe conspiracy theories, like in the things that we were talking about, these that have these biases more strongly or um, have certain social needs or, or ex- existential needs or epistemic needs that aren't met. Um, and for so those- what I think- yeah, go the, ahead. Sorry, the research is lacking. And what would be cool is like all these things that we just spoke about, if they could get some neural data on that too, mm-hmm. because maybe there is a difference in the brain or the mechanisms for these people who like have more of the tendency to put agency on things that don't exist, have like are better at finding patterns, but then this leads them to find patterns where things, I think that would be, I think, I think that would be like a good, a good next step. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, we we both weren't actually able to find anything that was directly about um, the neural mechanisms behind conspiracy theory beliefs. But maybe that is because the psychological explanation is kind of clear and because it's kind of like this, right. this bigger picture thing of like all of these biases coming together, which I'm there are research, there's research on these biases. Um, I don't know, but I think... So one of the labs, the NYU lab that um, that created this kind of framework about content versus quality of of um, conspiracy theories, they're actually a social neuroscience lab. So maybe we can watch out for some papers from them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, definitely that's something that's missing. But um, yeah, but their work also discusses this idea that probably even though the internet seems like it's like this cesspool of like, crazy things that people are saying that um actually maybe people aren't believing conspiracy theories more because it's not just like exposure to conspiracy theories that is gonna make you believe one because you know everyone probably the most popular conspiracy theory that we actually haven't mentioned but is like that the moon landing was fake but actually yeah only six percent of americans endorse that even though everyone knows that conspiracy theory yeah um Yeah, so I feel just, like that could be like a patriotic thing, though. Maybe I don't know what the global <laughs> I don't know what the global data is, but um, yeah, but the idea is like you know some people you're gonna tell them, yeah, the moon landing was fake, and they're gonna reject it, and the same thing on social yeah. media, they're gonna see something and they're gonna be like, well, that's that's not true, <laughs> because people do. Another bias is that you know confirmation bias, where people just they just believe things that they already believe. And they discount yeah. things that doesn't that don't fit within their narrative or their beliefs, and that's basically how people actually use social media, according to some studies yeah. on this. Yeah. Um, so maybe conspiracy theories aren't on the rise, but it certainly feels that way. 
And it feels that way. And when I was doing research for, for this episode, I, you know, I was, I was looking into different things. And one of the things that I, that I started looking into were conspiracies that happened. So yeah. in particular, I was looking into um, MK Ultra. Do you know? I what don't that know is? about it. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really know what it was either. I think it's a Muse song, so I knew it from that, but I didn't know what it was. <laughs> um, but it was essentially like this series of studies that the CIA covertly ran um, in in during the Cold War, mm-hmm. and they did these like really inhumane studies oh. on um, on both Canadian and American citizens, and one of the worst. Mm-hmm cases of this actually happened in in Canada at at McGill and it was basically like it was literally a brainwashing program like it sounds crazy but that's what it was like they were basically trying to make um to figure out a way to make killing machines out of people so allow people to basically turn off all of all of their brain functions to only be able to follow orders so that they could just go out and kill people and then they wanted to be able to then erase their memories of that happening. And so, yeah. So they were, during these trials, they were giving people LSD without their consent. They were saying that they were just like trying to help them cure their depression. They were giving them LSD like days on end. Um, They were then putting people to sleep for like 30 days in a row while electroshocking them. With a general anesthetic or something? Yeah, with a bunch of drugs. And giving them really intense electric shocks, like we do not give electric shocks of that high voltage anymore in um, in research ever. Um, and yeah, just making them take like these cocktails of drugs. There's like, and so, yeah, was it a conspiracy theory at the time? Like, so were people leaving the lab like and saying it? And everyone was like, "Oh, you're crazy!" Like, how did it? So obviously they tried to cover it up, but how did it start coming out? Yeah, I actually, I, I don't know. I don't know how, like, I think I think people did believe, you know, in during the Vietnam War and I think more the Vietnam War than like necessarily the Cold War, but during that period, there was this like really intense mistrust of the government and, um, right. you know, a lot of stuff came out, like the Pentagon Papers came out. Um, Watergate had happened, I guess, a decade before, but a lot of very intense kind of, conspiracies came to light and um and I think there was there were people that were like yeah something something fishy is going on here um and it ended up coming out but like there so two things that I want to like point listeners who are interested in this to is one another podcast um that's an uh NPR podcast a through line that's about conspiracy theories and is about like kind of it's kind of about the idea that conspiracy theories are like what created America and what like America runs on. And it's pretty interesting. And then the other thing is this CBC, which is like for the Austrians, which is like the Canadian ABC for the British people, the Canadian BBC. Anyways, um, this documentary about, um, about the Canadian victims of MK ultra Mm. and essentially, so I was watching this and I was reading, reading the comments and in the comments, that's where I was like, well, the internet must be kind of feeding these things because, you know, once you once you see something from like a trusted source for me, which is like the CBC, I, I trust most of what the CBC um, puts out. Um, and then, you know, it's like, OK, this really happened and this is 
this is insane. Then you read the comments and everyone's saying like, if you believe that this is over, you're crazy and this and this and this, and this is what came out and imagine what they're still doing behind closed doors and imagine what we don't know about. And this is just the thing that escaped. And yeah, and you you start to think like, well, yeah, you know, especially they brought a point. point. (laughs) I mean, there. I think if you know that they've hidden that like not that long ago, I think it it can make oh what I, I mean, I get why people. I mean, I get it. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. I do. I do kind of feel like there are these, there are these awful things. I'm sorry, but that especially the United States has done that also, I guess maybe because there are so many conspiracy theories that also people know happened like MK ultra, but also like the Tuskegee experiments where the American government was like injecting black men in Alabama with syphilis, not telling them that they did that, telling them that they were taking part of a six month study that actually lasted 50 years. And obviously they didn't tell them they were giving them syphilis, like these disgusting, horrible things. Like it's happened. Yeah. 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 That, you know, especially if I was surrounded by people who who also had this mistrust of the government, mistrust in science, yeah. like, yeah, I get it. I, I would feel the same way. And it would be, honestly, with all of the stuff we've been talking about, it'd be weird if you didn't. If you didn't. I, I know. That's the other thing. It's like with all of these things that we're set up to, like, we're set up to think this way, like, it's good if we do. And then, like, you people experience these things. It's like, well, I feel like we're going to end this with being like, yeah, so... The moon landing didn't happen. Um, <laughs> Princess Di is still out there. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's a lie. <laughs> but it is really difficult to, to, to deal with because, yeah, there's this, this is idea, especially in COVID, about, like, it's not just a pandemic. It's an infodemic. And there's so much to sift through. And there are all these conspiracy theories. And there are all these, like, these things that – because we actually – well, for a long time, we didn't really know that much about what what COVID really was. Um, so, yeah, there's this kind of idea that like it's it's tiring. Like, how can you even how can you begin to figure out what's true and what's not when there's just like the sheer volume, the sheer volume of like things that are out there for you to consume and for you to look into and for you to fact check, like. And we trust yeah. our sources, right? Like, if I read something, if I'm reading like the New York times and they're saying, this is what's happening in the election. I'm, okay. I guess I trust you. I'm not going to check it myself. No. Um, yeah. But if you have had like, you know, experiences of those things, government, like, you know, it's like for me once, <laughs> for me twice, like you wouldn't, you would be mistrusting. Exactly. And you should, I don't know. I feel. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were ending I don't know. this on a, on a scary note. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like having a crisis. Also, before I was thinking like in terms of this, we put meaning to things where they're not there. I don't want to think that there's not meaning there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it would make me a sad person to think, like I'm not religious, but I think I like to think that, I don't know, but some that there is some sort of meaning, some sort of something. I don't know what to call it. And I was thinking like conspiracy. conspiracy theories. Um, I don't want to like go to bed and think like everything's just logic and, and black and white and this and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. I don't want to think that way. So 
I, so we're open to conspiracy theories is basically the yes. conclusion of this episode. Like, send us your conspiracy theories. Send them, send them through. Show me, like, show me why Australia doesn't exist. I'll have a real, like, crisis. I'll be like, am I here? What is real? Like, yeah, Beth is recording this in Australia, so it's pretty late. So, yes. so probably getting to the loopy point of the night. Yes. But, um... Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we're concluding our episode with 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 an unsatisfactory um, ending. But yeah, I guess I guess it is good to kind of look into these things and realize like that to un- you understand them and realize that they're even though they're kind of fringe beliefs, the reasons that people believe them people believe. make sense. And I think I think that also then is good it's a good way to not you know put less judgment and understand where people are coming from understand people why they're doing the things they do which is you know what me and you are interested in so and I think also in that way the podcast was a success yeah and to talk (laughs) to talk to people it's easier if you you know if you do kind of get where they're coming from which I think is one of the biggest issues right now in, in politics in general and conspiracy theories I think feed this um but yeah, to just like talk to someone and, and try to understand what they're saying if they do have a conspiracy theory belief and, you know, maybe talk about critical thinking, talk about accuracy, maybe prime them with some accuracy according to that one study. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, you know, people people are just, everyone's everyone's working with the same set of brains and and, you know, biases and... We're all, I think we're all susceptible to these types of beliefs. Yeah. So don't think you're better than, than people who, who believe them. Cause a lot of the times they're, they're smart people and they probably know more about the subject yeah. than you. Cause and, they did yeah. their research. And keep questioning, I guess. The truth is out there. <laughs> da, da, da. I wish I had the X-Files. <laughs> I wish I had the X-Files. <laughs> I own it. I've, I've actually feel more confused. <laughs> No, I did not expect it to take this turn, and I feel like I honestly, I'm going to bed after this, and I'm just going to be like wide eyes awake, like what is anything? Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this is a lesson that science and research doesn't always give you the answers, um, but they but they give you something, and we're getting there. More research required. All right, guys. Well, let us know what you think. Let us know your favorite conspiracy theory on our on our Instagram at Minds Matter Podcast or on our <laughs> website, MindsMatterPodcast.com. And we're going to post all of the links, all of the videos, um, and, yeah, all of the, the other podcasts that are super interesting. And um, I think it is super relevant right now, so. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, good night, Beth. <laughs>